Welcome to another episode of the No Feeding Tube Show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life following or during head and neck cancer treatment. Thanks so much for listening. This is a lived experience and one that I think is better shared. And if you like the show, consider supporting it by showing me the love on the show link. Every little bit helps. So grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Welcome to episode 11 of the No Feeding Tubes show. I'm your host Yvonne McLaren and today I'm going to be talking about choosing recipes and this uh, forms part of the meal planning series if you like and I know one of the things that I found really challenging, particularly back in the early days, was actually knowing what to eat, what to cook and what to eat. So in this episode, I want to talk about uh, choosing recipes. And in choosing recipes, I'm going to talk about three different areas One of them is how do you select recipes? What sort of things should you be looking for when you're actually selecting recipes? And I might say that in selecting recipes, you're looking to build out your meal planning or your menu planning. That's why you're choosing recipes and that's how you build out your meal planning. So how do you select recipes? What do you base that on? Knowing what will work. And what to do if you have dietary requirements. So those are the three areas that I'm going to be talking about today. Um, After, if you've had radiation, if you are fortunate enough to not have radiation, uh, but after radiation, there's a few things that come into play around food, and that is the temperature of foods, whether they're cold, hot, room temperature, marinades, those sorts of things. Um, that's quite a separate area and I think I might talk about that in more detail in another episode. So I'm going to talk more generally today around how to choose recipes. And if you're someone like me, I used to have a lot of um, recipe books back in the day. I actually got rid of them all when I moved overseas. I thought, you know what, I I know they're beautiful to look at, but they're a pain to move, they're heavy, and I just don't look at them enough. And of course, mostly now, um, with the exception of a few diehards, we look online for our recipes. But, and the trouble with that is, uh, for us that have had head and neck cancer treatment, we very much eat with our eyes. So... Uh, without having that beautiful prompt of a beautiful book with um, photographic plates and colours of what the dish is going to look like. And I don't think they're as good online unless it's quite specific to the photographic side of the cooking. That's a really big part of um, us and our food journey is actually visually looking at food. So how do you select recipes? Well, I'm going to start because I've just that minute finished a big mug of hot chicken stock or soup that I made. I'm going to start at the beginning when you're feeling probably nauseous, really tired, um, you don't feel like eating much, you've possibly lost 
an awful lot of weight. Uh, I got, I don't know, I think I lost about 25 kilos in the end. Um, but the sorts of things that they're going to say to you are, and, and by they I'm in your medical team, is likely to eat high protein and high energy food. Now, high energy food um, translated means food with lots of calories in it. And in selecting recipes, you have to have a bit of knowledge around what is calorie dense, what's nutritionally beneficial, and um, knowing some of your vitamins, minerals, uh, and protein, and where you actually access protein from is really valuable. So you'll be looking at things like you'll want recipes that are high protein and high energy. Now, I know... Uh, on the web, there's a plethora of books. Uh, well, plethora. Uh, there's a lot of books out there that talk about uh, food for head and neck cancer treatment. My experience, a lot of them have been written by people who haven't had neck and head and neck cancer treatment. And, you know, uh, that's great. But I think unless you've been down this path, it's really difficult to understand. And I've read really unhelpful things like, uh, you know, eat regularly and snack often. Make sure you keep a trail mix. And for those that don't know what trail mix is, trail mix is basically a, a mixture of dried fruit, seeds and nuts that you would use when you're expending a lot of energy. Now, in theory, that's great, but if you've had head and neck cancer treatment, the likelihood of you being able to eat a handful of trail mix is pretty remote. Uh, so that's why I say um, if you're well armed with what you're looking for and why you're looking for it, then you're in a much better place than just aimlessly looking out through the internet to try and find um, some motivation, some ideas, um, some processes, some pathways to actually selecting recipes so that you can menu meal plan. So high protein, high energy. Um, there's a couple of things that I just want to say about that. You don't have to always chew uh, to get in the nutrients that you need. Um my mum taught me that soup and just plain old stock or broth, bone broth, can be highly nutritious depending on what you put in it, uh, which is why I advocate for making your own stocks, soups and sauces because you have complete control over what's in those. If you're, And I'm not poo-pooing this and I too have used instant um stock cubes or bouillon in a powder form or and in the early days absolutely that's what I used because frankly I was unable to put my underpants on let alone stand in a kitchen and make soup so there is a place for it uh, I would just encourage you to do more uh, home cooking and from scratch cooking as you get better uh, in terms of having more energy, feeling better, and you're going through the healing process. You're likely to be told to have um, high-protein and high-energy foods to help you um, heal, basically. 
Um, you know, your tissues need lots and lots of energy to heal from the treatment that they've given you. So that's why you're looking at high-protein, high-energy food. The other way to select recipes is based on your nutritional needs. Now, uh, this is a bit interlinked with what I want to talk about in the third point, which is when you might may or may not have dietary requirements. But from a nutritional standpoint, I know that I had some ORN, some osteoradionecrosis issues. Uh, as a result of that, my medical team were telling me to eat uh, or take as a supplement vitamin E. Now, vitamin E comes in a, a gel tablet. I, I can't, and I still can't, a number of years later, I can't actually swallow those vitamin E, you know, those gel capsules. I, I can't grab them in my throat. I can't grip them. They sit, they lodge, they go nowhere. Doesn't matter what I do. Um, I've sort of got to stand on my right foot, turn left, put my head down and then jump up and down and make sure I've got a big glass of water on hand to get them down. So vitamin E, although it was recommended to me, wasn't easy for me to consume in those gel tablets. So why I say knowing a bit about nutrition in terms of your recipe selection is important is uh, vitamin E... One of the highest sources of vitamin E is actually black currants. Um, so <coughs> drink black currant juice. Um, you know, I mean, black currants are quite good for, for lots of things. But vitamin E uh, comes in uh, in food too. So you've got to make sure that you're aware of the nutritional values of different food types um, so that you have alternative ways of actually ingesting uh, recommended vitamins, minerals, and those sorts of things. Um, texture. What texture can you manage? If you don't know what texture you can manage, and there is a process to know about that, and I don't know why they don't tell us this, but they don't seem to. It's called IDSI, which is the international... IDSI, I-double-D-S-I, is the international um, uh, dysphagia framework um i've just forgotten the word off the top of my head it, the international dietary dysphagia framework i think it's called something like that um if you have a look at that you'll get some really good ideas around the t types of textures that you're likely to be able to eat and based on that will dictate what sort of recipes you're going to be selecting now it might be that you're in the puree corner and we all love the puree corner I didn't stay in the puree in fact I very rarely visited the puree corner I should have because I was coughing coughing and spluttering and choking through quite a few meals in the early days uh, only when I was really really struggling did I go to the puree corner but for some of you that's a way of life that's where you need to be so if it's a puree texture, then what sort of things are available to you to eat as opposed to just eating baby food consistently? You need to understand that the texture is always going to be consistent. Where you're going to get the point of difference is in the flavour profiles of that puree. I'll say that again. The flavour profiles of that puree. And how you create flavour profiles is 
being able to cook and that's why I advocate for people to create their own stock, their own sauces and their own soups as soon as humanly possible because it's in that process that you can add to those flavour profiles if you have to stay with a certain texture, a.k.a. purees. Um, I've talked briefly about um, selection of recipes based on nutrition, so really important for you to understand how to pack punch into a small amount of food. Um, I will link here a couple of resources that I've found that are quite useful uh, because you can spend a lot of time going down a lot of rabbit holes trying to find things. Um, if you Google and do this for me, this is a this is a fun exercise. Uh, what can I cook for someone with throat cancer? If you Google that, it's really interesting what comes up. When I read it, I thought, well, geez, I wouldn't have been able to eat any of that stuff. So I think it's really important that you take control uh, of this for yourself. So number one, how do you select recipes based on high protein, high energy, the texture and the nutrition requirements that have been dictated dictated or advised to you by your medical team, your speech pathologist, dietitian, those sorts of people. Um, and remember, <clears throat> vitamin E seems to be one of those things that they always throw at us and vitamin E is like the... Swiss Army knife of the vitamins. It, uh, it it does so many things for us on so many levels. It's probably why it's recommended for us to continue to have vitamin E. But look for it in other, um, you know, food um, products as well. Because if you're like me and you can't swallow vitamin E tablets, and um, I tried to pierce it and squirt that liquid, it was awful. Um, knowing what will work. This is the second thing that you've got to consider when you're selecting food recipes. You need to explore and experiment. You won't know what's going to work unless you try it. I lost track of the number of times that I was told to not eat this, uh, do that, um, don't try this, um, this might be dangerous. Well-meaning, but from a standpoint of actually expanding your food repertoire and giving you the confidence to try different things, it's not terribly helpful. So knowing what will work, you need to explore and experiment and you need to explore with different cuisines. Uh, In Australia, we're lucky, we're a multicultural society, so we've got a lot more cuisines available to us. Um, And probably as a society, we have been um, raised to try and be quite accepting of different foods. Uh, Greek, Italian, Asian, Japanese, Korean, uh, Swiss. I've missed somebody out, I'm sorry, but that's what I mean. Look at different cuisines. Um, There's a lovely lady who follows me on Instagram. She's Italian and I know she's on puree. She's never going to get off puree and I use her recipes. She makes the most beautiful um, seafood chowders and clam purees with fresh tomatoes and there's ways around you know manipulating food and you need to know that you need to understand how to do that manipulating food manipulating textures someone asked me the other day how do you make tomatoes less acidic you remove the seeds you remove the skin 
make sure you know what sort of variety of tomato can often help too and make sure that it's seasonal. Something that's grown in the middle of winter as a tomato is not going to be as good as its seasonal availability, which is summer. Um, Also drink your nutrition. You know, you don't have to um, always just chew food and have meals. As I said earlier, you can pack a lot of nutrients into broth and stock. Um, You can cook it, you can drink it, and it's incredibly nourishing. The third thing is, what if I have... um, dietary requirements like I'm a celiac I'm a diabetic I'm uh, gluten-free or I'm vegetarian you've got to learn those modifications to make sure that you can supply an appropriate menu planning process for you and I know that those formulas do have some special dietary requirements um, and it may have improved since I've researched that but from what I could gather pretty limited and with the other things that are in them you don't want to be on them for too long um some closing ideas for you around uh choosing recipes hot broth uh steep it in herbs put rosemary in some beef stock and then pull it out before you eat it um Put orange zest or mint in it. Let it steep like a cup of tea, like a tea bag. Pull it out, pull those um, flavourings out and then drink it. You know, as I say, if you're on texture, you're going to have possibly be on that texture for a while before you can move up to the next level. And if you look at that IDSI, the International uh, Dysphagia Dietary Standardisation Initiative, I think I finally got it. Um, you'll see what those different levels are. But if you are stuck on just liquid or puree, then lift those profiles of flavour profiles by adding things in. Really quickly, um, instead of using tomatoes, if you really can't manage the acidity, try uh, tomatillos. Um, They're not so recognised here in Australia, but um, in South America, and that's why I say look at different cuisines, used extensively um, in those areas and quite high in vitamin C, you know, it's good colour, good uh, fibre. So look at using different alternatives if you're having trouble with certain aspects of certain fruit, vegetables and meat. And as a closing comment on meat, um, I'll just let the ambulance fire truck go through. Um, As a closing comment on meat... I can't eat beef terribly well. I'm slowly getting there. Chicken was almost impossible for me. Uh, it depended very much on how I cooked it, whether I stewed it, pressure cooked it, slow cooked it, um, but it was always adding moisture to that cooking method. And I've got some cooking principles as a resource Um uh, I'll remember to put the link down the bottom for you if you haven't already got it. Um And something else my mother taught me was to buy female pork. Pork is one protein source that I can manage pretty easily in all its formats. Pork stir-fry, pork schnitzel, pork mince. If you get female pork, it tastes better. The texture is better. Don't know why. um, Probably hormonal. And where possible, try and get grass-fed meat. Okay. I'm going to wind that up today. I've tried a few different things. Apologies for the um, 
fire truck that went through. Um, that's about choosing recipes, and that will form part of the meal planning process. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for hanging out here and listening to me today. Um, I hope you got something out of that, and I look forward to sharing some more pearls of wisdom at the next episode. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.